Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. All right, guys. Well, welcome back to another episode of the Chasing Tales Outdoor Podcast. I am your host, Walt, and I am joined from all the way in Gainesville, Florida, by my co-host, Chase. Dude, how are you doing today, and have you done anything fun outside? Oh, man, I'm doing great. I have been out playing with my saddle uh, this past weekend, uh, getting ready oh, yeah. and prepped up, dude. Dude, this is the... This is the first. This is the first episode we're recording where you have a saddle. Yeah, that's right, man. I've I've got the saddle in hand. Put it on. I've uh, been outside uh, testing my setup, oh, taking man. shots out of it. So I, oh, I'm man. I'm uh, really impressed. I'm looking forward to getting it into <laughs> some action. Maybe a little blood on it. Who knows? But because yeah. our season is less than three weeks away right now, and I can barely stand myself. So you're headed to Colorado soon. Uh, how yeah. are you feeling, bro? nervous anxious i can't sleep um i'm eating way too much to cope for the lack of sleeping um I, I'm, I'm wired dude over the moon excited I've, i ordered some food uh backpack you know like freeze-dried food and sent that and i've packed my bag like six different times uh in preparation for this so i'm just like ready to get out there enjoy it and 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 bring some content back i've got a, a yeah, this is news for everybody i've got a brand new dslr over here um, I think it's a DSLR. It's a mirrorless camera. I don't know if that means it's a DSLR or not, but either which way I, I we got that just so, uh, I had to be able to take some good content while I'm out there, some time lapses and stuff. So, um, everybody knows that I'm not necessarily hunting, like I'm not going to be the killer, but, uh, there's going to be two other guys there with tags and we're going to be seeing some awesome places. So I figured, dude, I need to have a camera when I go. I do not want to miss my first trip out West without a camera. Yeah, man, no doubt. Plus, it'll give you some time behind that camera where you don't have to focus on hunting. You can focus on yeah. filming. Yeah. When you get back Absolutely. here and you kill that monster buck, then you'll catch it all on film. And you'll make Chase yeah. and Tails famous. <laughs> we can go viral. Yeah, we can go bro, viral, yeah. Chase. <laughs> oh, man. Well, why don't we keep this intro short? Because this episode runs over a little bit. Um, it's a great episode. This is one of those information-packed episodes. And 
the topic of the day was self-filming. So this is the time of year where everybody's dusting off their cameras or they're buying cameras and they think they want to get into it. But there's a lot of mistakes you can make and there's a lot of nuance to it. And we got a fellow on, his name's Scott Spitzley. Um, he's a freelance media uh, producer. He also works with non-typical productions uh, to create hunting content. He's got his own YouTube channel called Scott Spitzley. Um, dude produces incredible video. Um, shout out goes to Adam Miller. He was the guy that turned me on to this fellow's YouTube channel. And uh, I knew immediately he was going to be a guy that we wanted to get on the show. Yeah, he, he came on and it was another one of those kind of in-depth episodes that you might have to listen to a couple of times to yeah. get all the information that he's trying to give out there on camera, especially if you're a newbie to camera stuff. But I believe it's uh, worth a listen and maybe even a second listen uh, if you're really interested in getting into self-filming uh, your hunts. Yeah, yeah, for sure. If you're just getting into photography, this isn't one where we break down what an aperture is or, 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 or stuff like that. So if this is one where you're really wanting to get the information out of it, I would listen to it with a computer nearby so you can Google the terms, you can Google the information that's being uh, provided because you could really grow from this podcast. I feel like um, there's, there's just a really like a ample amount of good information there. So, yeah. um, you know. It, it, it's going to be one that I'm going to look forward to listen to again because, again, I'm getting into it, and I'm sure there's stuff that he said. Actually, I know for a fact there's stuff that he said that I was already planning on doing that he literally said, don't do this. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> so uh, but uh, before we get to that, we have to, to say two things. we got to say thanks to the people who bring, make this podcast possible. First, Tethered. You guys know that we are now sponsored by Tethered. Chase is rocking a mantis. We said that a minute ago. I've got my Predator all wrapped up and ready to go. I finished up the, the paracord around the exterior. And at this point, it's just a matter of shooting from the stand. Well, <laughs> from the saddle. Yep. God, I'm probably never going to shake that term. But uh, you've been doing a bunch of that yourself. What are your first thoughts on the mantis? Oh, man, I love it. Uh, I took a little bit of adjusting. Uh, I was just on the adjustment straps that kind of wrap around your, your legs and not the load bearing strap or anything. But once I right. got that adjusted, right, uh, it felt a lot more comfortable. And as far as shooting from the Mantis, uh, I didn't really notice that much of a difference, to be honest with you. Uh, I felt like I could take all the shots that I would need to take in a hunting scenario and, and not have much problem with it after just practicing for like 10 minutes in my yard. I'm kind of looking forward to getting out there with it in the woods and maybe put that to the test. Yeah, man, it's coming quick. I, there, there's a little side hustle going on right now uh, with with who who gets a deer first uh, between you and I. So out of the saddle. So that should be uh, should be interesting. If you <laughs> if you don't know what I'm talking about, should be go to our social media and find the post with Chase hanging from a saddle. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I'm a little uh, I'm a little handicapped though. Uh, I'm giving you yeah. a year of time under the saddle. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, this should this should already be a lock. It should be rigged in my favor, but uh, you know it is what we'll it is. see what but, happens. Yeah, yeah. Well, guys, the second sponsor of this show, and we say this with the most gratefulness possible, is our Patreon subscribers. Thank you guys for contributing to the show and, and and offsetting the costs that make this show what it is. It, it costs money to to host it. It's going to cost money to invest in video gear, but also we want to start traveling and doing some of these more live podcasts because it has a different feel to it. And you guys are helping to make that possible. So thank you to y'all and special thanks to Ryan Null. I don't believe he was signed up 
the last time that we recorded an episode, but Ryan Knoll signed up and is now our newest uh, member of our patron, so patron family. So if you're interested in supporting the show, if you like what we're doing here and you want to support it, go to www.patreon.com slash Chasing Tales Outdoors. We're dropping exclusive content there. Um, I dropped my blooper reel from the most recent YouTube video. We're doing a giveaway for a Predator platform. Yeah, you, yeah that, you heard that right. We're giving away a Predator platform. Part of what we're going to start doing are quarterly giveaways where uh, we're going to re- give a item that we've either reviewed or an item that we, we already endorse and we know works to you guys. And all you have to do is sign up right now for, for our Patreon account, and you'll be entered into our Predator platform giveaway, which we're going to be giving away, what, early October? Yeah. Yeah, yeah we're, we're giving people through September to sign up. If you like the show and you want to get some cool gear, I mean, that's an easy way to do it. Heck yeah. And that Predator platform is is the legit. I can vouch for that now. I've set it up. It's super. It's, <laughs> I mean, I'd heard some stuff about maybe it might be difficult to set up, but, I mean, I had no problem setting that thing up. It's solid, dude. I mean, I, I'm scared of heights, and I've told people on a routine basis, you know, I have no fear whatsoever of using that predator platform. To me, to me, it feels like a lone wolf. It locks in place. It's solid. It's quiet. It just does what it's supposed to do. So, uh, like I said, if you're interested in supporting the show, patreon.com slash chasing tales outdoors. And I think with that said, why don't we go ahead and let him get to the show? Let's do it. All right, here we go. All right, guys on the phone. We have got a guest all the way from the upper north where I am told it is already getting chilly in the evenings and you can feel deer season in the air. I don't know what that's like at all right now because it still is hot as hell outside. But taking time out of his day is Scott Spitzley to talk to us today. Dude, how are you and is it true that it's cool up north right now? Oh man, I wouldn't say too cool. Um, okay. I'd say fall is definitely coming. Um, nights have been getting into the 50s. See, um, that's cool. Perfect. <laughs> leave, the, <laughs> yeah. leave the windows open at night. Don't have to worry about the AC. Um, leave the AC on during the day. That's about it. But yeah, yeah man, it's uh, late August. Here in about just over a month, we'll be starting here in October 1st. And couldn't be more excited about it, that's for sure. Ch- Chase, can you remember the last time you slept with the windows open? <laughs> Never. <laughs> <laughs> it's either too cold or it's too hot. <laughs> one, one or the other. You're in Georgia, Florida. right? Where are you uh, I'm in uh, Middle Florida, well, North Central Florida, uh, oh, near Gainesville. Man. So, I mean, it's still. It's either. It seems like it's either too hot to do anything, or when it actually it, there's like a little short little window where it actually cools off for just a little bit. And then it'll still stay hot for a while, and then it'll get really cold, and then it'll just heat right back up. There's no like, there's no like nice fall or spring weather for the most part. Have you ever been up to Michigan? I have not been to Michigan. No, really. I've been to uh, Illinois, Kansas, uh, on hunts and stuff, but never in the state of Michigan. Huh. I always get got so much crap because I went to Florida for the first time. It was three years ago. And I had never been there beforehand, and I always got a lot of crap, a lot of fuss for not being there. But I guess Michigan's not too uh, too great of a state to be in if you're from Florida, though. Anyway, so it depends depends Eat. on what you're looking for out of weather. Yeah, that's true. It's true. Because <laughs> I like the yeah. idea to be able to sleep with my windows open. That, that's that's the only time I've ever uh, done that was when the AC went out in the summertime. And <laughs> 
you guys have bonfires down there at least? Once or twice a year. Yeah, we'll have them from time to time. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's pretty much a normal night here. Bonfires this time of year, even during summer. Even during the summer, it doesn't get too hot at night, or it doesn't stay too hot at night anyway. It's usually high 60s, low 70s, depending on the day. Okay. Well, shoot. Most of our bow season, it's like, what is it, Walter, like 78, 79 to start off? Yeah, And then easily. at 95, 96 in the evening times. Oh, oh, yeah. See, it gets up to 70s, 80s, maybe midday, but that's that's definitely towards the hot side, that's for sure. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's nice. nice. Yeah, that, <laughs> yeah. we, we burn stuff in the backyard to keep the mosquitoes away. We don't do it to, because it's enjoyable. <laughs> so your guys' cold fronts, like – Plus eighty, huh? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, pretty oh, much. We got, a, we got a cold front coming. It's gonna be eighty tomorrow. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. We get excited. I mean, if it's like forty degrees, we're getting super excited. And then, but it still it'll heat up to what, like eighty something degrees, eighty five throughout the day, even when it gets cools off like that. For the most part, during hunting season, um, our cold times like January, February, Florida seasons either started or it's starting real soon yeah it's uh it's it's partially open that we've got four zones in the state of florida the southern zone went in like august 2nd uh where i'm at and where walter part of walter is september 15th and then you'll have october 20th and then there's another zone that has a weird time period too so you can't hunt but you have to be in those zones right of the state Yep, it's weird. And then it lasts through March 3rd. <laughs> That's insane. I would love to have a season that long. You have no idea. We had a we had a late season to kind of get rid of the does here in Michigan because of the CWD. And I was pretty excited about that even. That only went until the end of January. Okay. So to, hunt, to be able to hunt until March. Uh, well, what if I told you we also get like three to four ruts as well? I have heard that. I At least. That. At least three or four. You want to move to Florida, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but hey, your chances you got, of you killing a giant are not high. <laughs> yeah. We need a cameraman, you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hey, man, I'm willing to come down. Oh, man. Well, Scott, so uh, I think it's important we, we lay the foundation. I know that there's at least a couple people who don't know who you are. I think, honestly, you run probably the best YouTube channel that no one's heard of yet. And I, I'm, I know that's going to change very soon as you continue to put out content, but how did you get into hunting? Like, is, has this always been a, a family affair for you or is this something you took up recently? What's, what's your background in the outdoors look like? Oh man, dude, I honestly, if, I was into hunting out of the womb. <laughs> right. I have pictures of me when I could barely even walk with bows in my hands, camo, face paint, all that stuff. But it's, yeah, definitely, uh, I've been at it, well, obviously not hunting, but I've been involved um, since I was a kid. Uh, I shot my first buck when I was 12 years old. It was the first legal age I could hunt with a bow. Uh, I shot my first deer. It was my first buck. It was a spike horn. Um, I was actually by myself, too. It was out of a platform stand my dad and I made uh, back in the day, so that was pretty memorable. I'll definitely never forget that. Um but even before that, I would all I ever wanted to do was to shoot bow. 
<laughs> or shoot something, shoot squirrels, rabbits, birds, even if it was illegal. <laughs> I was, I was a hunter, you know, yeah. through and through. And it was definitely, you know, I can thank my dad and my grandpa for that. They were huge in hunting and they've always been since they were kids too. So That's awesome, man. So what what's your biggest passion in the outdoors for, for like game species to pursue and style of pursuing them? Um, well, whitetail, obviously I've been, that's basically the only animal I've ever hunted outside of turkeys, okay. um, coyotes, stuff like that. But, um, yeah, I mean, whitetail hunting is pretty big here in Michigan. So, so I've been told been my passion and <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah that just, uh, there's a lot of hunters. <laughs> that's for sure, man. <laughs> football too. Yep. That's, that's... <laughs> oh, yeah. But, football. Uh, yeah, I mean, not that I'm not passionate about hunting other species, but I, I just, I need to venture more out of Michigan, I guess. I've, I've hunted southern Ohio, um, and that's about the only other state I've ever hunted. Hunted, that is. Not, you know, filming is different, but. Sure. Um, but, yeah, so I've hunted southern Ohio, too, and honestly, man, I've never even killed a deer there, but I've killed all my bucks here in Michigan, so. What's your what's your view of, of, of deer hunting in Michigan? Is it can is it quality? Is it subpar? Does it need to change? Some Michiganders will have different answers to that. Sure. Obviously, it's not going to be as easy as other states, but that doesn't mean that there's not mature bucks here. There's definitely mature bucks here. Um, you just got to put a little bit more time in to find them. That's for sure. Um, you know, a lot of people fuss about the public land here in Michigan too, and that's I mean, like I said. You go in the right spot, put the time in, and do your scouting and do your due diligence. You'll uh, you'll find one, that's for sure. It's not like you're gonna go to Iowa and you know find a mature buck behind every tree. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. That's that's the truth. <laughs> that's a joke. It's, kind um, of. But yeah, man. There's the hunting. We get two tags here in Michigan, which I kind of wish we could change that. Um, there's not a lot of states a lot of other states that have two tags and i think that if we were to go to one buck tag state that uh the hunting would probably be a little bit better but i'm not going to complain i love michigan i love the hunting michigan or i love the hunting here um so yeah i love living here and i can't complain why would why would the hunting improve with a one with a one buck tag system what what do you you think that when you say that do you mean uh this overall size would increase or population would be allowed to recover what what's the mechanism there you're trying to achieve um i'd say definitely the population there's there's a lot of hunters per square mile here in michigan i mean there's just a lot of hunters in general um oh yeah i can say i can see an increase as far as seeing mature deer around here which is good i think people are kind of figuring out the system and kind of going along with the QDMA and I think it's helping out a lot um and I think going to one buck tag would kind of even jump start that a little bit more I could see um, that uh, you got a lot of guys that just you know they see horns and they shoot it which that's fine you can shoot whatever you want um and I'm not complaining about it I do my thing and they do theirs we all eat or we all hunt to eat um but I mean people like I and others also do it for the challenge too, and there's nothing wrong with that. No, I can agree with that myself. Florida just went to a five buck limit for the state, as opposed to 
240 bucks for a season <laughs> that it that it used to be. Yeah, yeah, we used to be able to take <laughs> two bucks a day every day of the season. Oh wow! And I mean, you had a possession limit. You had a possession limit that, but it was kind of shaky on how possession limit works. And if I kill two bucks and give them to two or somebody, then technically I'm not possessing two bucks anymore. So I could go out and kill whatever two more the next day. So we just uh, started like a management system with tags and actually having to like go on an app and register the deer that you've killed. So I think that's going to be good for Florida because we have no idea like how many deer are actually being killed because there's no system in place and should be good for the management. So that it'll be kind of good for us to see uh, how that works and if the deer get bigger or whatnot. As far as Michigan, like I said, there's just so many, like I said, so many hunters there uh, that the two buck tags probably kind of does put a hindrance on most of the bucks being able to hit that mature age. Um, and I've heard a bunch of stories about Michigan as well. Like just listen to podcasts and stuff like that about just like the orange army and all that. Is, is it really like that up there? Is there really that many hunters? Yeah. Okay. Private and public. I mean, public is just crazy. I would never gun hunt public. <laughs> <laughs> I have before. I'll probably never do it again. Um, but I do, you know, oh hunt public, but yeah, it, even on private, there's, you know, I, I have a hundred piece parcel that I hunt on private land and it's probably, it could be just as worse as public on some days. I mean, you share it with others. There's other hunters around you, um, especially d- during gun season. But now that crossbows are legal here in Michigan, I'm seeing a lot of gun hunters kind of switching to the archery route too, which kind of puts us uh, or gives us a lot of pressure during bow season, which I'm not complaining. Uh, I, I kind of use that as an advantage for me, um, using that pressure. Hmm, that's interesting. What? Hmm, hold on to that thought because we'll come back to the pressure component of it, I'm sure, at some point in time. But that's yeah. interesting to me because it, it seems like I have a lot of friends up there in Michigan, and a lot of them like, send me photos daily of Pope and Young Bucks that they're, that they're watching. And then I also have buddies up there that just swear – that finding something over 100 inches is just impossible. Is some of that due to, like, the regions of the state, or? Yeah, um, I think, well, agriculture has something to do with that. Pressure, obviously. Yeah, there's certain areas in Michigan that are better than others. Um, Where I hunt, I hunt in Ione County, and that's, it's a pretty good county. I mean, I I see Pope and Young Bucks. It's not like they're not around. it's just getting getting them in daylight, you know, 30 yards from you. Is, sure. Is what can be the issue there. And, and I think the more, you know, more of the counties that, you know, you do see Pope and Young's every day during daylight are due to lack of pressure, not a, as much pressure as other counties. That That's kind of what I would kind of refer that as. Okay. If that makes any sense. Yeah, no, totally. Um, yeah. So, but you get pressure like say around me i've got a lot of agriculture around me and i'm kind of like in a creek bottom on this private land parcel that i hunt Uh oh you um, hunt private land i do too yeah if i knew that i wouldn't allow you at lodge on the show man that's uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just kidding all... i'm just kidding dude oh i, oh, I know <laughs> but i mean you're not gonna have as much pressure but sure. you're still gonna have pressure so yeah. i mean as long as you go in when you know if you're not hunting it every day you know, every morning, every evening, um, no matter what day it is, in the same spot, you're going to have deer that 
or a have sanctuary in your property. Right. They're, they try to stay away from humans. That's their number one goal. They're or predators in general. So if you have a spot and you're wanting to see mature bucks on it, they're all around everywhere. Stay out of there. Go in there. Go in there when the conditions are right, and you'll have your chance at a mature buck. I mean, you obviously got to do your homework though. Uh, do your scouting and make sure they're there in the first place. Well, on that's that... something I go ahead, buddy. And that's something I do a lot during the springtime is I do my scouting and I make sure there's mature deer around the area before I just waste my time with it. Like, uh, whether that's public land or private land, I've, I've only got one private parcel that I hunt. And if the, if I know that there's not a mature buck we're shooting out there, hence the rut, because anything can normally happen during the rut, you know, they venture off. But, um, if I know there's not a mature buck in the area, I might not even waste my time with it. I'll look somewhere else. How was your 2018-2019 uh, season? I'm curious. Oh, do I have to talk about it? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> that bad, huh? Oh, so, yes. yeah, actually, uh, I I missed a, a nice buck last year. Um, it was the latter part of October. Um, I was on this particular buck, uh, and I ended up sitting kind of like downwind of a doe bedding area. Okay. Um, and I planned on sitting around 1130 noonish, just depending on what I had seen. And about 1130, I had, um, one of the bucks I was after, I, I mean, I don't name them by any means, but, um, I had him come pretty much head down right into the bedding or the doe bedding area grunting as I was lowering my camera equipment. Oh no. Ew. Yeah. So, I mean... I told myself I was going to sit till noon. I ended up uh, starting to get down around 1130. And uh, I, I didn't even I, I didn't even see him, actually. I just heard him grunt, and I didn't even do anything else there. I just kind of sat there. And, and at this point, I actually had my bow halfway down the tree, too. So everything else was pretty much put away and had my bow halfway down the tree. And I heard the grunt, and I didn't even look. I ended up just pulling my bow right up the tree. And uh, ended up sniffing just outside the doe bedding area. And I, I, mind you, I'm not 30 yards from this bedding area. And I ended up setting a kind of like a scent lure, like a doe in heat. It's called wild carrot deer track. And just, I don't know if it's, if he smelt that and thought there was a doe in heat because it was, you know, it's getting that time, end of October, they're starting to come in heat. And that's, that's kind of what I was trying to plan on was catching them cruise during midday. And that's exactly what happened, but I was getting too impatient, and that's when I started getting down because I hadn't seen anything worth shooting, that is. Mm. So back to me pulling my bow back um, up. I uh, Honestly, I, I don't remember a lot. I blacked out. <laughs> <laughs> I blacked out, man. Like this, I, I just remember him being at 30 yards, and before <laughs> I even put – listen, before I even put my arrow back on the rest – I grunted like an idiot. I grunted. He beelined to the base of my tree. He was right under me. And here I am trying to, you know, he's looking away. Um, I'm trying to put an arrow on my rest as he's right under me. So I get it on, and he goes out about five yards. And here I am shaking in my boots, you know. And uh, he was at five yards right under me. And I'm, I'm probably a good 20, 25 feet in the air. And this is a mobile sit, mind you. I, I set up. You know, he had no idea there was a stand even there. I'm a mobile hunter. That's something I didn't add earlier. But, so, yeah, I drew back. Um, I don't know if 
you guys have ever taken a five yard shot before, but oh no, when you're that yep. far up in the tree, it's kind of pretty much straight down. Yep, not fun, um, and nothing just aligns right. And I shot right over his back. <sighs> yeah, that happened. As far as I mean, I had other encounters, um, but I did not kill a deer last year or a buck last year. So, um, but that happens. I don't kill a buck every year. Not everyone does. It just sucks, you know, putting all that time in scouting. Yeah. You know, I put a lot of work into these animals. <laughs> yeah. I don't. I don't just film. I'm pretty big into scouting and just. I just love whitetail hunting in general. So, uh, it, it kind of. It was a low for me, for sure, putting all that work in and missing missing when the opportunity re- represented itself. Oh, man. At least, you know, this probably rings pretty hollow right now, but at least you had that opportunity. Like, I've had years where you hunt hard like that, and you don't get that opportunity. You know, I mean, obviously, I, I, I wish you had got the deer, but that's still pretty cool. I mean, that's... Oh, yeah. It, I mean... Looking back at it now, I laugh. Yeah, you sure. Know, there for a few weeks, I was like, man, <laughs> you know, I just kind of beat myself up. And that's that's kind of the last thing you want to do is beat yourself up um, when stuff like that happens. And, mm-hmm. you know, after the season, I was just kind of looking back. Because I did have other encounters, too. And I just kind of reminisced, you know, reminisced. And, uh, I didn't say that word right. But, I got you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> kind of looked back, and I just enjoyed, you know, the experience and the encounters and I just kind of laugh at it now. Sure. So. I mean, that's all you can do. you got to be a good sport about it. But, you know, y- oh, yeah. you talked about lowering your camera arm to the bottom. I said you had a YouTube channel. W- when did the filming, like, how did that kind of come into your outdoor, like, pursuit, right? I think for a lot of people, there's a, a variance of answers to that. What What's that story look like for you? Yeah, so... The filming didn't start. Actually, I, I say it didn't start, but it was it was actually quite a while ago. Um, my dad and his really good friend used to film for a TV show. This is back before 1080 HD was even a thing. This is <laughs> just old stuff. But yeah, anyways, that's kind of where it started. They filmed, and I always just loved their videos and watching it and just seeing that raw emotion they always had with each other and just having a good time. And they just shot, they shot shit, man. They, (laughs) they had fun doing it too. They just had a good time and they killed animals. They were good. They were good hunters. And that's kind of what brought it together. Um, after that, you know, after they started doing that, my cousins and my friend, my close friends and I, we borrowed, just candy can cameras man and we just acted like we knew what we were doing and uh <laughs> went out back and because this is back when i lived at home we had 40 acres back home with my dad and we just go out back and attempt to film shooting animals <laughs> that's how it all started um wow. i mean we've had some funny encounters we've had some kills we've had some very embarrassing moments as well and that's kind of just what sparked it all man it's just the passion itself that's awesome so. dude that it, it's funny because we talked to somebody else uh jared schaefer about um his filming he runs uh flinging arrows and um hunt appalachia on youtube oh yeah yep actually i i don't know if you guys are familiar with the hunting beast forum yeah um, yep. yeah he, he's on there and talked with him before he's a good guy dude one of the best i mean he's just he's an awesome fella mm-hmm. and yep. you know his motivation was seeing it on tv and he wanted to do it you know and i think for me 
it's always been a fascination of mine because my my family like we all sit around uh once or twice a year and have a bonfire and we, we tell you know hunt stories you know and you oh you'll never believe it this one time this thing came out and like stories were just quintessential to me you know they were just a, they just they just were like the family was surrounded by stories and I think being able to capture things on video, you know, that's something that, you know, my kids will be able to, you know, hopefully appreciate and enjoy and watch, oh, yeah. you know. And, and this, this one time this deer came out and I shot him as he was running across. No, he didn't. Hold on a second. YouTube, pull it up. You know, like, <laughs> <laughs> call me on my bluff, son. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's fun going back and looking at old footage of your yeah. friends. It's just, I mean, obviously it's nothing worth editing or anything, but. Sure. It's just, it's awesome stuff to go back and look at, that's for sure. Yeah. I, I hear you there. Yeah. So it's just kind of like a natural extension of you as an outdoorsman now. Is that natural? What, I'm sorry, I kind of misunderstood the question. Well, I like it, as in, like, when you think hunting, you think, I'm going to film the hunt, right? Like, it's a natural oh, extension yeah. of you. So, okay, so I say that, and then there was a time spurt where I didn't do a lot of filming. Okay. So that started when we were about 14 years old. Um, you know, the starting filming with my cousins and friends. And that lasted all the way up until probably about 23. Okay. okay. So a good seven years of filming with my buddies and cousins. From about 23, 24 to about two, three years ago, I didn't really do much filming. I was more just kind of involved and just going out by myself and just enjoying nature and not worrying about the filming aspect of it, so... Um, I just picked it back up a couple years ago, actually. Um, not that I did not film during that time period. It just wasn't as sporadic. I hear you. I, I can see how that how that could be. I think I think that happens. And, that, for... and honestly, that's because of just you know my cousins and friends. They have families now, and just I just couldn't really find anybody that wanted to do that kind of stuff still. Sure. If that makes sense. Yeah, totally. Um, I, I do have a close friend. Uh, his name's Jordan. Um, and, you know, people from Michigan might be familiar with him. He, he's a producer for Michigan Out of Doors. And he's a really good friend of mine. And he is, he's always been into filming. Like, he hasn't even stopped. But with him, it's just like, yeah, we filmed each other in, in stuff. But during this time frame where we didn't film a lot. But he was always busy doing his own work you know what i mean it right. wasn't like going out with friends and just filming for fun he actually had clients to, to film and you know work to do um and i guess i just didn't go out of my way to kind of find those persons that were involved in the same passion as me just you know um other than just a few years ago when i started back up i started um getting involved with my older friends and granted we don't do it as much as we used to but um i remember you know, we do kind of pick up, pick up the camera again and go out with each other and film each other. So, right. Was that, is that, so filming for you, was that what was needed for you to feel like you were filming was to have that buddy to do it with you? Cause it seems like, and all your content here recently, it seems to be more of a, uh, you centered kind of, uh, videography style. D did that, was that a shift for you? Was that because you couldn't find people or what? Yeah, honestly. Yeah. I mean, I just, I'm a huge hunter in general, and I just, I kind of got into photography and videography a few years ago, and that's kind of what, um, well, I say a few, it's actually just been not even three years ago, 
Um, but that was kind of a turning point for me. Um, and as I got involved in that kind of stuff, you know, obviously the spark of it was wanting to film my hunts. Sure. So yeah, that's when I started getting into the actual self-filming aspect of things. Because before, I just filmed. You know what I mean? I didn't right. self-film. So self-filming, it was just, you know, a couple years ago I started that. And uh, yeah, so I got into that because I wanted... Because going back, I look at videos and I just enjoy watching those those moments. And granted, it's not the same in person, you know, mm-hmm. but it's still a good memory to have and to share with others. And like you said earlier, uh, share with your kids and your grandkids and stuff like that. And they can, you know, nowadays you can get on the Internet and look at that kind of stuff. You don't have to put a VHS player <laughs> in or cassette, you know what I mean? So that's what I'm kind of getting into now is just the internet technology has come a long way and i'm just using it to my advantage i have always wanted you know going back to the younger age and hunting and just being obsessed with it and having the passion for it i've always wanted to work in the hunting industry so that's another thing that kind of sparked it a couple years ago is i just kind of wasn't very happy where i was as far as you know my career so and honestly that I called my mom because she's a photographer, you know, she does it. She's not a professional photographer by any means, but I know she, she used to have or did have DSLR cameras. And I just asked her to borrow one one day and I told her what I wanted to do. And I, it just progressed from there, man. I just, a lot of late nights and, um, long days of working a full-time job and just coming home and just getting to work at editing and just looking up YouTube videos. Like I spent a lot of time looking on YouTube, um, just learning different stuff, editing, um, you know, just different ideas, sure. stuff like that. And that kind of evolved to where I am today. And I, it's not even just the beginning, honestly. I just, I just knew I wanted to work in the hunting industry and that's where the self filming and the photography and the videography evolved. That's awesome. That's nice. I think, I think, there's a strain of everybody who wants to work in the hunting industry and the fact that you're making that happen. I think that's, that's stellar, dude. That's awesome. I appreciate that. Yeah. I mean, don't give up on your dreams. I mean, that's, that's all I got to say. Um, if you're not happy with your job, if you call your job a job, make a change. And that's exactly what I wanted to do. I was telling, uh, was it, is it you Walter talking? I can't tell. Who's that's talking. me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was telling you, sorry. it's all good, I was, man. You know, I was telling you earlier, like, yeah, I, I, I got lucky, but you know, like I said, luck doesn't come from luck. You gotta, you gotta make your own luck. Yeah. I had a passion, and I went all in on it. Well, well, let's shift gears a little bit to to self filming because that's going to be the kind of the the body of of this podcast. Um, okay. you know, I, I stumbled upon your YouTube. Actually, that's a little bit unfair. I need to give credit where credit's due. Adam Miller recommended you and he said, dude, if you're getting into film and you need to go watch this guy's work and then pester him with questions, if you've got any questions, great guy. So <laughs> he's a good guy. <laughs> so, uh, I did just that. I reached out to you. I was like, Hey man, do you have time? And you called me one night late after dinner and was like, you know, giving me a, a rundown of camera options I should get. And I didn't take any of your advice. I went with a totally different line of cameras. 
Oh, that's, I mean, hey, man, if you can afford it, get it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I got. Get into that later, but. Yeah, yeah, I got really lucky on that. So, but, yeah, no, you were kind enough to take time out of your day. And I was like, hey, man, what do you think about coming on the show and kind of sharing some of this info? And you jumped at the opportunity. So, to kick that off, I, I think we should talk about some, like, things that I see happen all the time. And that is maybe first a lot of people think they want to get into filming. They get into filming and then they get, I hear like this burnout, like people buy all this camera gear, they go into deer season, they film the first five hunts and then suddenly they're exhausted and the stuff's for sale on Facebook. And <laughs> it, it, it happens every year, dude. So I'm curious, is there something that they that they could be doing that would, would keep it enjoyable? Are they taking it too seriously? Are they getting in over their heads? What do you think is going on? They just got to want it more, man. I don't know. There, there's a lot of work. <laughs> there's a lot of work that comes into self-filming, dude. And okay. especially if you're like a mobile hunter like I am and hunt public land. And even on private, I hung, I hang a different, I hang my mobile setup every day. So, or every sit. So there's a lot of work that goes into it. You know, it's not just the work that the physical work it's it's the work outside of it too right. so you get home and you export or you import all your videos and you want to get into editing and then from there you know that's when you spark on getting or looking at youtube videos you know and that it, there's a lot to learn there's the filming there's the post-production of it and then there's the physical part of the actual filming itself too so depending on what kind of a hunter you are it, it, it can be a lot of work and they just get drained on it because they don't realize you know they see it on tv and it looks all pretty and cool and stuff but right they don't actually realize how much work it takes to do this kind of stuff and once they realize what you got to do they get burnt out and that's what they're that's what the issue is they're just getting burnt out on it and like you said they're selling their equipment the same year so just like i said back to the beginning you just gotta want it <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Scott, currently I don't sell film and a lot of reason is like I said, you got to carry all the stuff in, but I feel like on a lot of my hunts that everything happens so fast for me. You know what I mean? Like a deer comes in, I'm shooting it real quick. Or if, if I took that extra time to maybe swing a camera or arm around, like a deer might see me or I might not get the shot. So what are, what are some tips that you can kind of give to people that are like wanting to get into self filming to, to make the process easier uh, overall, because right now, I, I mean, I'm probably going to try to self film some this season, but I've, I'm always worried about like not getting the animal because I was trying to self film. And I, my end goal is always to get the animal. It's not necessarily to catch it on film. I know a lot of people, it's like the opposite when they're self filming, like if they don't catch it on film, then they're not going to shoot it at all. But so how do you balance that medium? Um, so back to your first question about what you should do as far as when you're getting into self-filming is do not get a DSLR. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> okay. So there's a difference. There's a difference between a DSLR and just a regular video camera. If you're wanting to just self-film and get kills on film, use a regular video camera. It's a lot easier. DSLRs can be a pain in the butt. So if you're just getting into it, I would not recommend a DSLR. Um, unless you're like getting into photography and you know, the budget isn't there, you know what I'm saying? Right. Right. So if you're, if you're wanting to get into photography and you're wanting to get into self filming and you're just wanting to get into it all, then yes, of course, get a DSLR cause you're getting two birds with one stone. Okay. But if gotcha. you're just wanting to self film, get a video camera. 
a lot easier. It'll make your life a lot easier. Um, it, it's just everything on a DSLR is manual. The zoom is manual. The focus is manual. Um, you don't get a very zoom with a camcorder. You know, you can do everything with one thumb with a very zoom on a camcorder. So that would be my first recommendation if you're just wanting to get into cell filming and okay. not the photography act of you know, the hunting aspect. Try try not to get overwhelmed when you're out there. Just make the process a little bit easier by oh, just yeah, using. Yep. Okay. I'm sorry. What was the second question again? Or not, not that there was, you kind of stirred up. I, I was just more on like when, when you're self filming, how, how do you kind of, do you, do you go out and just say, if I don't catch this on film, I'm not going to shoot it. Or do you just go, Hey, I, I'm going to shoot it no matter what. I'm not going to let the filming get in the way of the hunt. So yeah, I, I was, you know, I did this mainly for myself. I put the deer first. I didn't, obviously I had the camera there, um, but I wasn't going to not shoot a deer because I didn't have the camera on. Granted, I mean, look at just last season. <laughs> I didn't even have my camera equipment back up and I shot at a buck and missed him. You know what I mean? So that kind of ties into what my answer is there. Um, so yeah, I always put the deer first. Obviously I want to get it on film. But I'm not going to not shoot a deer because I don't have the record button on, if that makes sense. Yeah, sure. Um, and yeah. I mean, that's going to help new people, too. Don't I, I advise them to do the same thing. Don't get caught up in wanting to just get it on film because that's just going to ruin your day. Um, right. It, it's going to make it more stressful. If As long as you get in the, the stand and you have that mindset that you want to shoot a deer, and put the camera second. It'll make your life a lot easier. I will say that. So have that mindset in the tree. Don't worry about getting on film unless you're obviously, you know, doing it for a, a company that's paying you. <laughs> um, then, yeah, I mean, you might have to change your mindset there. But if it's just for yourself, no one's paying you. Put the deer first. Don't worry about the camera. Well, not that you don't worry about it, but you just. <laughs> Yeah. You, you put a second. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, put a second. I got you. A buddy of mine told me that it, he runs a DSLR, and he's like, you know, there's certain things you can do to mitigate like the time in which it takes you to get it on on camera, right? So, like, what he told me is, he's like, you know, I'm constantly adjusting my ISO for the daylight mm -hmm. all the time, yep. so that I'm not having to worry about that. And he's like, dude, I go ahead and zoom in because it's easier to zoom out and get it in the frame, whereas zooming in takes a little more, like, skill to it. So he's like, dude, I, I zoom in about, like, halfway. That way, all I'm doing is just, like, a little, like, critique, like, a little finite little zoom and maybe adjust the man, the, 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 uh, focus just a little bit and then I'm done and then I can just track with it and, and I'm good to go. Yeah, that's, that's actually a great idea. And that's, I was actually going to get into that. You can, well, go yeah, ahead, you man. Can, you can focus, you know, on something 30 yards out, focus to a certain extent on something and then have it set to where the deer is going to be in focus. Then yeah, you don't have to touch anything. You know, you have it on right. the right zoom. And as long as you don't care about having, you know, a full, frame body shot of the deer on your camera then yeah you don't have to do any of that thing in yourself filming so that is another tip to you know taking this consideration is leave it on something where you might think the deer's coming um you know the settings as far as the settings and and then from there all you got to do is just move the camera um so sure but yeah I, I, it just all depends on what you want the quality of the film i mean obviously you can go in post-production and kind of zoom in on the deer 
um, if you're not focused or not focused, but um, zoomed in on the deer completely to where you can, you know, see the kill shot. Um, right. But you know, there's there's ways, there's different ways to use it. it it's just depends. From there, basically, just I mean, what do you want as far as good quality video? So let's 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 chase that because that tagline you just put there, I think, is key. I have been told, and I want to see if you feel the same way, that if you want a cinematic look, you need a DSLR. If you want just good, clean video, you need a video camera. Do you agree, agree. or disagree? There's a lot okay. more you can do with a DSLR. I'm not too. I, especially 1080 HDs like back when I was filming with camcorders my friends I mean that I I just knew how to zoom and I knew how to focus okay so I don't know what capabilities they have I know a lot of them are not good in low light conditions when you go to a DSLR you can have certain lenses where they're just amazing in low light conditions so I think low light conditions is a huge factor in that I know that DSLRs have an advantage um, as far as that goes and just the quality of the image I feel is a lot better in DSLRs um, and, and there's there's a lot more you can play with as far as getting those settings to where you want them to meet the right uh, conditions as far as you know the time of day and stuff like that um, right but, and it, it all it all goes back to lenses lenses are probably the most important thing when it comes to a DSLR um and you know with a regular camcorder you don't you know you can't change that kind of stuff if you get what you get um you could have you can have a just a cheap crop sensor dslr and you can put you put a thousand dollar lens on there and that will be a night and day difference um so yeah lenses make all the difference to me good glass always mm -hmm. seems to matter yep whether it's in your whether it's in your knockers or your 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 camera it seems like it <laughs> it's uh it's it's always critical. It is. It um, is. Hey, you got to bring that light in. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Well, and and dude, those those so those uh, vortex binoculars that I got last year, the HD glass. Yeah. Dude, it would be like it'd be barely daylight, like just barely. Like you'd like open your eyes and be like, oh man, we're getting close, and I wouldn't be able to see things, but I would be able to see motion. And I'd pull those binoculars up and I'd look through and be like, boom, there's the deer. It's like, whoa. Okay, hold up. Yeah. This is creepy. So you not know? a lot of people know this, but I worked at Cabela's for a few months. And I actually, well, I was in the archery department. I was the uh, the archery tech there. And, uh, mm -hmm. well, you know, sooner, you know, sometimes I go in the hunting area. You know, they, we're known for our vortex optics there. So, yeah, I remember when that HD line came in, you could definitely see a night and day difference as far as glass. Like you said, yeah, glass makes all the difference. Um, once those oh, yeah. HD lines came in, you could, it was amazing. Oh, it, 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 it's almost a, it renders the old glass obsolete with the exception of the savings. Like if you're on a budget, you know, get the glass you can because it's going to help. But we were sitting in the backyard one day and I'm playing around with the glass and, and my wife is, you know, drinking a glass of wine, just like scrolling through Facebook on the back deck. I'm like, Oh man, there's a, there's a freaking bluebird over there. I haven't seen a bluebird in this area in years. And she's like, where? I was like, right there on that fence post. It's like a hundred yards away. She's like. No, there's no bird there. I was like, no, I'm telling you, I'm looking right at it. Like we had, I was like, here, just take the glass and, and, and focus. And she's like, oh my god, you can see its feathers. I was like, yeah, I know. Isn't that isn't that wicked? And that it was like just further like hammered at home. I was like, okay. Awesome. When I went down this route and you were like, good good lenses, I wasn't even, I wasn't even mad at it. I was like, yep, I hear you. <laughs> Makes all the <laughs> difference, man. That's cool though. It does. Yeah. It does. So, 
we're, we kind of debated DSLR versus camcorder. I mean, actually, I'm curious, Chase, are you are you leaning camcorder if you decide to get into filming? It depends. Just to be honest with you, yeah. I might buy both. I'm a <laughs> <laughs> I actually have a DSLR. I'm pretty sure. Uh, my wife really? has one, but she won't let me use it. I don't think for honey. <laughs> <laughs> so I might have to sneak it out of the house. You know what I'm saying? Oh, uh, she won't even know. <laughs> just take care of it. Don't... Yeah, exactly. I'll just leave the SD card in there, and she'll go pick it up and be me filming myself pre-hunt, doing some uh, B-roll footage. <laughs> So, but I, I, I'm not really sure yet. I mean, I may go with the, like I said, if the DSLR, I mean, it sounds like it has more features and all that. So, yeah, I mean, is there a way on the DSLR to where you can kind of make it basic for yourself, almost just like camcorder, or it, does it still just require just a, just a little bit more? Yeah, there's always going to be a little bit more. Like I said, the zoom is manual as far, you got to, you got to turn Right, right, you got to turn, turn that the lens, lens. To zoom, yeah. and you got to use the end cap yeah. to, to focus too. And that's another thing I didn't get into is the focus on a DSLR. Uh, DSLRs do have autofocus. Okay, um, yep. I would not advise to use autofocus when you're hunting or self filming, even though it does work. I mean, just autofocus is never 100% accurate, so there could be right. something just very little brush in between brush. You. Yep, yeah, exactly that can get in between you and the deer and you know when you're in that moment when there's a deer right there you're not always going to pay attention to that kind of stuff so um you know looking at that viewfinder and making sure that deer's in focus and doing it easier with manual focus or it is a lot easier to do it with manual focus to me so that Mm -hmm. would be another tip is to use manual focus um while you're self-filming um which it can be a little bit more work too but I mean, focus is one of the most important things when it comes to filming something. If something's out of focus, <laughs> what's the point of it? It just doesn't look good. <laughs> you know what I mean? So yeah. 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 Sure. Besides, you know, audio or anything else, focus obviously is very important. So right. and autofocus well, can ruin your day. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm sure it can. Well, what what about audio? Like we have a thing here about microphones and stuff. Is is that a must for your camera? When, you, when you're trying to film your hunts? Dude, audio is, it's, man, I would. King. <laughs> audio is king. Yeah, I'm not going to say it's the most important thing, but it can make or break a video. It can, just bad audio, man. I mean, have you ever watched a video where there's just, the audio is bad and you just kind of, uh, I don't nope. want to get into this. Right. Yep. I mean, it, yep. it's a night and day difference. So, yes, good audio is a must. I recommend using... Uh, like a wireless lab mic or something or a shotgun microphone um, when you're self-filming, for sure. Yeah. So if you're filming somebody else, I would use a wireless mic. You know, just good audio is a must. Right. right. Well, along the lines of, of manual focus, Chase, sorry to interrupt, but I think it ties in. I think a, a good quality LCD and an articulating screen are probably in that same category, right? Yeah, I mean, it like, is. and. I know we didn't really get into this. You know, when I started out, you know, getting that hand-me-down from my mom, it didn't have an articulated screen, okay? Was that the D3500? Well, no, no, no. She she gave me the D3100. Um, Oh, wow. And then I went and got the D3500, which still didn't have the articulated screen. But, you know, that's me on a budget. (laughs) I I just, (laughs) you know, I got what I could. 
And then I'm up to a D7500 right now, and that's got the articulating screen, which is very right. helpful. Um, very, very helpful. So, yeah, articulating screen is definitely a must as well, um, especially with B-roll. <laughs> when you're getting down and you're getting yeah, B-roll flips and you're doing manual focus, it can be a pain in the ass. Pain in the ass. I could see so, that for so, sure. Yep, yeah. Articulating screen is a must. Or one what? Of, what else? What other pieces? I was oh, just gonna go say ahead. One that tilts even. It doesn't even have to be articulating. Right. It can just tilt. There's some that tilt and some that articulate. I think the A5 is yeah. that way, or the A7. It, it just tilts up. Yeah. It doesn't like yeah, pop which, out. Yeah, that works too. That, it's a lot better than just having the fit screen in the in the body itself. Right. I could see that. Yeah, my my Sony Alpha 3000, which is where I, what I cut my teeth on. Um, didn't have an articulating screen, and the LCD screen was so poor, you couldn't tell if it was in focus or not sometimes. Oh, really? So it was like, oh, yeah, dude. It was terrible. Now, the photos were great if you got the shot. Right. You just never knew if you got the shot. Even the uh, the eyepiece. What's that called? I'm so uh, – I'm sorry. It's not the what were you saying? What's, 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 what's the eyepiece that you um, looked through called? The eyepiece? <laughs> I don't yeah. know. Yeah. <laughs> so I thought I had a I thought I had a different name of you. Even the IP does, was... but I, honestly, I'm gonna be yeah. straight up. I don't know what it is. No worries. Yeah. Even the eyepiece on it was terrible. It was just, it was garbage. Yeah. So you'd be like, oh, yeah, I got this photo. Yeah, 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 I got this. And then you'd go inside, you'd get out of the woods, and you'd get home, and that bird you were taking a photo of, it was focused on the tree behind it. Oh, and you're yeah. like, oh, my God. Yep. Really? Like, it looked like it was in focus, and it just never was. Yep. So yep. that that was super discouraging for me was just the fact that the, the equipment that I had bought that fit within my current budget didn't work the way I wanted it to, oh, which leads worst, me man. to my next question for you. And that is, is there a price point that people should be willing to spend to get into filming? And if they can't hit that price point, they should just wait until they can. Or is it is the idea of just buy what you can and do the best with it uh, oh, the better route? Yeah, that's a hard question. Because obviously yep. what I want to say is not something I did, <laughs> but you, <laughs> you learn from your mistakes. Um, yeah, I right. would definitely just invest into something that you're going to be um, be using in the long run. Like, don't just step up. Yeah, I mean, if you want to get into it right now and that's all you can afford, then do it. But, I mean, if you can save the extra few hundred dollars... Get a good body to start out with, but you know, and it doesn't have to be a freaking expensive body. I mean, you could, like I said earlier, you can buy a cheaper body, buy a nice lens, and it's going to make a night and day difference. So start out with sure. a good body and then invest in your lenses. That's, that's a must. Uh, lenses are huge. So, um, and, and it, I guess it depends on what you're going after too. Uh, do you want quality or do you just want videos of you killing deer? It all tie. It, I have a different answer for the different scenarios. What do you want to do? What if it's good quality? Like I said, yes, invest in better equipment right off the bat, because then you won't waste your money spending on the mediocre equipment. And then, because after you get used to it, you're gonna want to upgrade. You know, right then, and that's exactly what I did. I had to upgrade like after two months because I realized what I was, you know, what I had wasn't good enough. And then even then. I was like, oh, I should upgrade it even more. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, well, does it is it is it fair to say that the DSLR has a has an advantage here? Like, so if you want to just be able to hit pre 
you know, record, and do your thing, and, and uh, you know, capture video. Your camcorder's but you're probably your better option. But it seems like the DSLR, if you're careful, and I think this is probably what you did, you could start off with something like the D3500, buy lenses that are quality, and those lenses probably attach to the 7500, correct? Yep. They both take so, the so what you've done is you've bought, yeah, you've bought quality glass mm -hmm. that as you upgrade the body and the capabilities of it, you kind of have that ability to kind of step into, exactly. into film. Yep. You just got to make sure that lens you get is capable with the new body you get. That's for sure. You got, you got to do your right. due diligence and look that kind of information up. And that's exactly what I did is I got the body, you know, obviously not the greatest, but I got few good lenses and that made all the difference and when i purchased a new camera or got a new camera i made sure that my lenses were capable using the new body that i had sure sure i, I could see how that would be yeah it t probably takes a little more forethought on the front end yeah. of things yeah. but and remind you, know, you i it, i'm into photography too okay you can i mean video obviously is the same difference but you don't need a full frame cam or DSLR for video. You don't need it for photography. It will give you better quality. It will give you better light mm -hmm. lighting. Um, but as far as quality goes, you're not going to see that much of a difference. And going from a crop sensor to a full frame, the price range is different. It's just a lot different. So, um, right. You know, just how much can you afford? Sure. If I could afford I, I it. You know, if I could afford have afforded it i would have got a full frame body i would have got amazing lenses but it wasn't in the budget so i just kind of worked with what i had and i made it work i hear you so let's uh i got about maybe one or two questions for you and then i want to get a store a hunting story from you yeah. I, I just looked down at the time and i we <laughs> we've been having a good time and it flew by but so I think what one of the things I would like to, to pick your brain about, and I think people would benefit from, is what are some of the things that people should avoid doing on the camera while they're hunting and, and trying um, to shoot film? Man, I, I would... I mean, obviously, we kind of touched on that a little bit with the autofocus, like don't run autofocus. Yeah, right? That seems that, like a good that rule. Was, but I was kind of going to lead back into that, too. Definitely, yeah, don't use autofocus. Um, improper use of ISO. So, okay. um, ISO is a manual setting that will allow you to have more light the higher the ISO is. But there's a fine line between how much ISO you use and how much you don't use. So the higher it goes, the more grainy it will be. Just the footage won't look as good, if that makes sense. Right. Um, so like in low light conditions, um, don't crank up the ISO, I guess, and make it just look like crap if you can't see the deer through your camera at just where a good setting is then just i would avoid using that as well and then um another thing going back to iso is using auto iso and i learned that the hard way um always use manual iso keep it at 100 or 200 400 um don't ever use auto because no matter how much light there is there's going to be, it's going to just obviously auto it and it, and it, sometimes it might even spike up to like 3,200 ISO and there's a night and day difference between 100 and 3,200. The lower the ISO, the better quality footage you're going to have. And it's very important that you pay attention to that stuff and use it manually. Don't, yeah, don't ever use auto ISO. Um, okay. Yep. 
And let's see, another thing to avoid while hunting, right? Sure, yeah. Or or in the preparation of it. I think Actually, there's probably just a lot know, of things that people... Tip. So I use a camera arm. Try not okay. to use the handle. Try just yep, huh. Try just using um, the the grip on the, the body. Because it's just... For some... Because some people, I'm different. Other might, other people might be different, but I kind of try to do thing or uh, everything with one hand, so I can control it with my right hand, have it right on the body, and sometimes, you know, with certain lenses, I can focus while controlling it. Does that make sense? If you have it on the handle, you can't do that kind of stuff. Right. So, I get that. Makes sense. That make sense. I got you. I got yep. you. Keep your hands together. Exactly. Kind of thing. Yeah, it's closer to everything. You can control all the settings. You can control your ISO, going back to ISO. So, yeah, that would be another thing to avoid is to use the handle on, or the the fluid head. It's going to be on, the handle's going to be on the fluid head. Um, Right. It's not really something to avoid, but maybe just a tip to use. Right, right. Especially on DSLRs. Yeah. I can see how that, if you don't have a very zoom and all that stuff where you can like grab the handle and, and with the one exactly. finger adjust the, the, the zoom and the focus and all that jazz, then yep. all the more reason to, to have your hands near exactly. those buttons. And, I mean, obviously okay. it can be a pain in the butt, but it's better than having to take your hand off the handle and adjust something real quick. Sure. You know, it's not right. If that makes sense. No, that makes total sense. So let's tie a story into all of this. And this is something we try and do on all the podcasts, which is we end it with some really good story, right? We, we, we introduced you. We talked about the body of the top of the, of the show. And now I'm going to probe you with a question about a, an outdoor story. So that is, I would love to know your most embarrassing or an embarrassing story that you encountered while self-filming. And if you don't have one that's self-filming, you can just cut right into one that you think will just tickle the <laughs> listeners. Oh, man. I, it's funny that you say embarrassing because I, I can honestly say this is probably the most embarrassing hunt I've ever been on. <laughs> Not that it was embarrassing to a lot of other people. It's only embarrassing to me when I tell other people. So I guess if you want to hear it, then, yeah, I'm probably going to be embarrassed. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> that 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 sounds too good to be yeah. true. Let's, let's let's rock it. <laughs> um, so let's jump back to let's see, 2016. It was let's see. I think I want to say it was November 5th. I uh, you know it's rut, and I'm not gonna not be in the tree during the rut. It was on the weekend. It was just a beautiful morning. Cold front, sunny day. You couldn't ask for better conditions on this day. Um, I got up, I left early, you know, I wanted to be in, you know, set up, you know, with camera gear, you gotta give give yourself a little bit more time, but well, one thing that I kind of looked at and I kind of put off where I shouldn't have was my gas light on my truck. And (laughs) you ever hear that saying, you know, your truck, well, I know my truck. Well, I was... (laughs) I know my truck, but I obviously didn't know it well enough. I ended up running out of gas, and uh, I was probably five miles from my hunting location where I was going. And um, the first call I made was actually, you know, to my girlfriend, which is my fiance now, um, to please come help me, <laughs> get me gas, because you know I obviously still had one thing on the mind that was hunting because of the conditions and the time of year. Um, so I ended up running out of gas and uh, I actually 
you know, I was 45, a good 45 minutes away from home, and she still had another 45 minutes, obviously, to drive to give me gas. And uh, I had some coffee. <laughs> I had some coffee that morning. Oh, no. <laughs> and, uh, you know, nerves started to come in and excitement and a lot of emotion and um, stress as well. So <laughs> I ended up um, popping a squat right off the road there and uh, kind of had to take care of number two business. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> I mean, that's obviously getting into this hunt. That I mean, there's not – I didn't – I'm not just telling you the story because I ran out of gas and – took a crap off the side of the road you know um it was actually a really awesome morning um long story short i ended up having to use my shirt my undershirt to wipe because i didn't have anything else um yeah long story short i ended up smelling like poop and gas okay because i had to dump gas in my tank so but you know that's good uh scent regimen you know scent control it's 100 percent you know eberhart would not be proud <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah um but this just comes to you know kind of the opposite of that i ended up actually shooting a very nice buck that morning um 15 minutes after i got into the tree and this is after i dropped my quiver and just every just everything went bad that morning you know it was one of them mornings where nothing went right from leaving until i shot the buck <laughs> but uh yeah so i ended up shooting a buck that morning which was awesome it ended up turning into a great day um yeah it was actually one of my biggest bucks to date here in michigan so i was pretty pretty proud about that um but i gotta throw that in with the story because um not a lot of people go into the woods smelling like poop and gas shooting a buck so yeah, to, up... to everyone listening to this that spends spends hundreds of dollars on scent control, you could have just saved your money and shit hey yourself. Man, it sounds just, like just play the wind, just play the wind. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's. I mean, yeah, scent control will help to a certain extent, but I mean, yeah. it's not ever going to be a hundred percent. So why waste your money? Why waste your time? Granted, yes, I wash my clothes, but I'm not going to go out and buy a bunch of spray bottles and spray them on my clothes thinking that it's going to do anything you know what i mean and yes i did used to do that but i don't anymore and um so i can't really give anybody or give anybody crap for doing it but um the play in the wind (laughs) obviously going back to my story can get it done unless you know it was during (laughs) the rut and i did grunt and he came running right at me it was one of those things again i don't know what about it what about those grunt, grunt tubes? Every time I grunt, they just come running at me. I don't know if it's, I don't know if I do it that good or what. But it's weird because everybody, everything I hear about Michigan is if you grunt, like the deer's gonna run ten yeah. miles away because of all every hunter out in the woods is grunting. Dude, every deer is different. Every deer is different. They all have different personalities. Some deer has been grunted at. Some deer haven't. You know what I mean? There could have been a five-year-old that has never been grunted at. You just never know. Every deer is different. And this one, I've ever... never heard a human grunt before, I guess. <laughs> Do I ever what? Yeah. Have you ever done something stupid even though you knew it was a, a good idea maybe due to, I don't know, youth or uh, 
they're being a really hot chick over there. I mean, like, <laughs> I think I think every guy, if he's honest, he can relate to what that deer just did. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You've done you you've done something stupid you shouldn't have because uh, you were chasing tail. Exactly. That's beautiful. That's perfect. That is exactly true. Yeah. So, dude, let let me hit you with one final mm-hmm. question. Let's say a guy listens to this podcast and he says, okay, I'm going the DSLR route because it's cheaper initially. I can buy nice lenses. I can upgrade to a, to a higher-end Nikon. Okay, I'm sold. What advice do you have? What are must-haves when it comes to lenses for, for somebody who wants to go the, the ultimate route well, and just do it right? filming you're going to want one that zooms. Uh, you got okay. your lenses that are wide angles. You got your prime lenses that are just, you know, they don't move at all or zoom at all. And then you got your zoom lenses and, uh, um, one you're going to want is to go, depending on crop sensor or full frame, you're going to want one that goes, I would say probably at least 200 millimeter at focal length. Um, just to kind of give you that room, um, and nowhere, and you don't want it like a prime or a fixed focal length. You want one that zooms. So that would be a must. Um, particularly one with lower aperture as well. And what that means is, <clears throat> you're going to let more light in the lower aperture you have. So that's what's going to help you in lower light conditions. Um, so getting that zoomed lens with a low aperture will help you during low light conditions and get you that broadened range of zoom, if that makes sense. Yep. So sure. one with low aperture, one with zoom, you could get away with just that one lens if, if you wanted. Um, just one that has that broad really? range of zoom and low aperture yep you could um i i have other lenses but honestly man i only use one lens when i'm in the tree because it's that okay. uh versatile if that makes sense what about for like b-roll and stuff do you recommend or b-roll for like in your face vlogging do you have a different camera yeah, for that yeah or a, of course, a different lens of course yeah b-roll okay. i i use a 35 millimeter so 1.8 aperture lens um i also have an 85 um i have a 10 to 20 millimeter sigma so it's got that wider wider range um and then actually for my vlogging and stuff, I just use the kit lens that it came with, my camera. It's a eight, really? yeah, it's a 18 to 55. Um, I only use that because I do use autofocus on that. And back when I did the vlogging and, you know, I kind of have it pointed at my face. Sure. I knew that it was focused on my face and the autofocus was amazing. It was, it was, uh, it was quiet and it just, it always worked well for me. So, and I didn't have that articulating screen. So that's what I use. Okay. That kit lens is, is a good lens that it comes with. So don't um, don't not use the kit lens. There's there's definitely some uses you could put put with them. Um, good yep, to know. Yep, it's the 18 to 55 millimeter kit lens that it comes with. So it sounds like you're you're recommending to get get a camera a DSLR with a kit lens, get a like a fixed 35 millimeter for B-roll, and then a telephoto with a fixed low aperture. But with a decent zoom, would you say two hundred? Yeah, at least two hundred. Yep, three hundred. At least two hundred would be ideal. I would I would pick up maybe like an eight to three hundred or a twenty eight to okay. three hundred because that would be very versatile. Um, okay. I used I do have a twenty eight to three hundred now. I uh, I just picked it up, but before, um, I just used a fifty five to two hundred, and that would work pretty good for me in the tree. Awesome. 
those are your those are your three recommendations for yep, the for the when guy, you're huh? self filming. If you're wanting to get into, awesome. I mean, and that all coincides with what what you have. If you have a crop sensor, then yes, those. If you have a full frame sensor, get the 24 to 70 2.8. Get the 70 to 200 2.8. Those are going to be a lot better lenses, but they're a lot more, a lot more expensive. Gotcha, yep. guys. Deer season is almost here. You can tell our content has shifted. We started talking hunting. We just launched our YouTube channel, which is why I took advantage personally of reaching out to Scott and getting him on here because I'm going to be running a DSLR against his better judgment uh, <laughs> this upcoming fall. But I'm also getting into photography, so it was great to, to have him on. And I'm sure that there's a lot of people who have thought about it, and, and hopefully now you've come away with some good information that you can apply when you're buying cameras, when you're out there filming. And uh, who knows, maybe we'll have him back on here before too much longer and do a more in-depth uh, podcast on the specifics of the camera, the gear, maybe a little more in depth if uh, that's something that everybody's interested in. So let us know, shoot us a message. But until next time, get outside, get in the great outdoors, and uh, go go kill something. It's it's fall, man. It's time.